Father in heaven, thank you so much for the blessed Sabbath. Thank you, Lord, for gathering us together online, that we can come and study your word together. And Lord, I just pray that you'd speak so intimately to each and every one of us, that your Holy Spirit would be the unseen guest and your holy angels would be those unseen visitors as well, that you might minister to our needs, that you would lift our thoughts heavenward, that we might have an interaction and a communion with heaven this moment. Lord, please help us to put aside all our distractions. Help us to be able to give you the reverence that is due to your name and your glory. And Lord, I pray that you would please lift us up even now. May our thoughts trend heavenward, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray and ask. Amen. The title of my sermon is How to Live. And I have this question, you know, why did Jesus come to this earth to live? Why did he come and live amongst us? And, you know, usually we point to the end of his life. And, well, of course, it was to die for our sins. And well and true. And we see this in John 3.16 when the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's texts like these and, and texts in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, where the Bible also says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels. He was made human for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death, for every man. So it's texts like these that as we look at it, the answers are correct. Yes, Jesus, he came to live amongst us so that he could die for us to pay the penalty of sin on our behalf, that he could die that death that sin only would cause. But when Jesus was born and became a man to live amongst men, his purpose was more than just to be born so that he could die and to resurrect again so that he could grant us forgiveness and that we could all live in heaven. The purpose went beyond that. He wasn't just here to die as a lamb that taketh away the sin of the world, friends. He also came to show us how to live as well. I want you to consider these texts. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 1, the Bible says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Also, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. He's asked us to walk in love as Christ also has loved us. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So Jesus didn't just come to live a life so that he could die for us as the spotless Lamb of God because none of us could do it, but he also lived a life so that we would take up the cross and follow 
in his footsteps. Consider these following texts as well. 1 John 2, 6. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. God wants us to walk just as Jesus walked. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. This doesn't get any clearer, friends. God, He wants us to be ambassadors for Him. What does it mean? What is an ambassador? An ambassador is representative of another country in which you are living right now. I am an ambassador, but I won't be an ambassador of Malaysia living in Malaysia. I would be an ambassador of Malaysia, maybe living in Philippines or Taiwan or in US or in Australia, wherever it is. And we would dress and talk and act just like from the country we came from. Christ, He wants us to represent Him. But before He did that, He left us an example of how to live. We are called to be imitators of Christ, to be followers of Christ, to be ambassadors of Christ, to walk as He walked. Now, I want you to consider this quote found in Ministry of Healing 365 Paragraph 3. Jesus came to this earth to accomplish the greatest work ever accomplished among men. He came as God's ambassador to show us how to live so as to secure life's best results. You know, when you read the first sentence there, we are all thinking the cross, isn't it? He came to this earth to accomplish the greatest work ever accomplished. That is to die on the cross, isn't it? But then when you look at the second sentence, it is not about dying on the cross. It is about what? To show us how to live so as to secure life's best results. How should we live? How should we live? How to live is the question of our sermon for today. Jesus, He came as God's ambassador to show us that, to show us and to teach us and to model for us how we should live so that we could secure what? Life's best results. And know that is not just in heaven, but even here on this earth. Well, how did Jesus live on this earth, friends? What example should we be following? You know, normally when we talk about these sorts of questions, we talk about what? Victory over sin. Jesus, He never sinned, so we got to stop sinning. You know, normally we refer to things like that, isn't it? He was spotless, so we should be spotless as well. He did ministry. He healed. He taught. He was preaching. We should be doing those things too. Healing, teaching, and preaching. But friends, I want you to take a step back and before we get to that point, you know, he went to church, we go to church. He gave offering, we gave offering. He preached, we should be preaching as well. What should we be doing the step before that? What, it's important to take this step back and look at the important example of Jesus before any of this external things in a sense. Things that sometimes we, we say, you're working your way to heaven. 
How did Jesus live? Consider this next quote, also taken from Ministry of Healing. All the quotes that I'm quoting from today are taken from this book, Ministry of Healing, a wonderful book that I'm reading right now. If you've never read it before, you've got to go through this. This is 51 paragraph one. The Savior's life on earth was a life of communion with nature and with God. In this communion, He revealed for us the secret of a life of power. Did you see that, friends? The life of Jesus was a life of communion with nature and with God. And in this communion, He revealed for us the secret of a life of power. Friends, what is a secret? It's something that's hidden, something that no one else knows, something that is very special that only you on this earth know. But yet Jesus came to reveal to us this secret of a life that is filled with power. How to live a powerful life. How to live a life full of power. Power for what? Well, victory over sin, to overcome our sinful habits and tendencies and addictions, power to obey the commands of God, power to live a life like Jesus, power to be successful in all that we do, and power to also help others in ministry. This power is important, friends. This power, Jesus came to live and to reveal this secret through His life. And friends, this is the foundation that we must lay if we are ever to imitate Christ, if we are to ever be ambassadors for Christ, if we ever hope to live the life of Christ, to have victory over sin, to preach a sermon like Christ, to heal like Christ, to live like Christ, to be a blessing like Christ. And did you see what it was, friends? What was that secret? It was His life on this earth it was a life of communion with nature and with God. How? How did Jesus live a life of communion, connection with heaven? Through what? How? How can we have this experience today? Consider this next quote, Ministry of Healing 52, paragraph 1. He studied the Word of God. And we know that already, right? And his hours of greatest happiness were found when he could turn aside from the scene of his labors to go into the fields, to meditate in the quiet valleys, to hold communion with God on the mountainside or amid the trees of the forest. The early morning often found him in some secluded place, meditating, searching the scriptures or in prayer. With the voice of singing, he welcomed the morning light. With songs of thanksgiving, he cheered his hours of labor and brought heaven's gladness to the toil-worn and disheartened. Friends, here is an interesting word that is mentioned that indicates that it wasn't routine. Yes, he held communion, when, whenever he could, when he could turn from this, the, the, the field of labor and go into the, the nature and hold communion with God. But then you notice in the middle of the paragraph, it says what? Early in the morning, 
often he found himself in some secluded place. Notice the Bible there doesn't say every morning. Not Bible, this quote from the pen of inspiration. It doesn't say every morning. It says often. Often it found him in some secluded place. Out there in the mountainside, in the fields, in the valleys, on the mountaintop. Why does it say often instead of every morning? What's the difference? What's the difference between often and every morning? Often is not every day. Often is not 100% of the time. Why? Well, maybe his mother got sick and that day he had to get up early and prepare the breakfast and the food for everybody. It was often, but not always. Often, it indicates more than 50%, probably more than 80 or 90% of the time, but still it's not every morning. Do you understand that? Often, but sometimes emergencies would come up. You know, friends, this is what we call life. This is what we call real life. It's really easy to study the theoretical, and sometimes we struggle with the practical application. As a student, we can learn knowledge from a textbook, but, but a textbook only takes us so far until we can understand how to apply it, the sort of knowledge that we must have. It has to be practical. It has to be able to be applied. When we study these things, we got to know how to apply it. You know, when it comes to math, when we study uh, ratios and percentages, that stuff makes sense to me. But when we get to algebra, I always had difficulty understanding until I watched one day this young man on TED Talk. He talked about physics and math, and he says we find math in everywhere, in structures and shapes, and you always find them everywhere. Fascinating. But many times when we study, we take in theoretical knowledge without understanding the practicality behind it. An example is you can take a textbook and maybe teach people how to raise up children, but you yourself are single or you've never had kids, you're just married, just the two of you, husband and wife. It's very easy to be able to teach that, but practicality only can come in when you have a child of your own. And friends, Jesus, he was different. He didn't teach from a book from his throne up in heaven. He came down and lived among men as a man, and he understood the realities of life, what it meant to live a life here on the earth, in the flesh. And the, 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 the paragraph there tells us what? Often. In the morning, early, it was often that we could find him in some secluded place. It wasn't 100% of the time. He was poor. He probably didn't even have his own room. He had to work hard as a kid to help his parents to support themselves. And he understood what it meant to live a life on this earth, to go through the daily struggles of life. And we're told often, early in the morning, he would find some secluded place. Often, majority of the time, he would have communion with his father. Friends, the first lesson that I want to hit home that I need you to understand is if you've missed your devotion this morning, remember, it's not the end of the world. You can pause in the middle of the day. You can pull yourself aside 
and still spend time with our Father in heaven in communion. I'm not telling, I'm not trying to, to give you an excuse to say, hey, it's okay to always miss. Jesus was often found in the secluded area, secluded time, away from the home and parents in nature with God. Just make sure you don't miss your devotion on a regular basis. There are emergencies that do come up. I'm not saying it's okay to miss it, okay? But emergencies are the lot of life. Now, playing soccer early in the morning, once a month or once every six months is not an emergency. It's just something that doesn't, doesn't happen often, but it's part of our schedule and routine. Do you understand that? That's not an emergency. What's an emergency? Your kid wakes up with fever at 3 a.m. in the morning. Or you gotta stay up late and you're out till one, two o'clock because you had to take a friend to the hospital. Someone gets sick and life and schedules just change. That's life, friends. You can't just sit there going, son, daughter, I know you got a hundred uh, Fahrenheit or 30, 40 degree fever. I, I'm not going to touch you right now. I've got to have my devotion first. And I know that God will take care of you while I'm having my devotion. No, friends, mothers don't do that. They don't. There's emergencies that come up. But often, often tells us, don't get angry just because you missed your devotional time with God. Don't get upset that you didn't have the perfect devotion this morning. Don't get mad because you didn't spend two hours or even one hour in your devotional life. Often means you had less time today, but tomorrow will be better. Often is I missed it habitually today, but I can do it this afternoon. Often is majority of the time, but it makes room for life, for emergencies. And because oftentimes devotion doesn't go our way, we get upset and we feel like, I'm not like Jesus today, isn't it? I missed it. I didn't have that time that Jesus had, but Jesus didn't have it all the time, friends. But whenever he could, that was his priority. That was his priority. And sometimes we think we're going to have a bad day and the devil's going to get the better of us because I didn't have my perfect devotion. Real life will tell you that no one has perfect devotional time. But it was often often. Maybe he only missed it once a month. It wasn't once a week. It wasn't a habit that Jesus would find him missing it. But even then, when he did, Jesus had unbroken communion with the Father in heaven throughout the day. So if that often did not come this morning, make sure you have it this afternoon. Make sure you have it after this sermon. Make sure you pull yourself aside and catch up. But that was communion. The purpose of his communion to get away was to spend time in two things, meditating on his word, God talking to him, and then him in prayer. It was him talking back to God. It was a two-way experience. And friends, this is what has to happen in our lives today as well. It's my prayer that we would learn this communion experience, that we would understand what it means to live a life filled with power. Look at this, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 15. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest ye shall be saved. 
in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength and ye would not. Friends, this is the secret of success of the Christian life. We got to have that quiet communion. In quietness would be found our strength. In quietness we'll find a life that can be filled with the power of God to be a blessing to the whole world. And friends, we are told the ministry of healing, this same power, the same power that Christ exercised when he walked visibly among men is in his word. The same power is where? In his word. It was by his word that Jesus healed disease and cast out demons. By his word, he stilled the sea and raised the dead. And the people bore witness that his word was with power. He spoke the word of God as he had spoken to all the prophets and teachers of the Old Testament. The whole Bible is a manifestation of Christ. Do you mean that the power that Christ had to, to open the eyes of a blind man is found in the Bible today? The power that Christ had to raise the dead is found in the scriptures? Absolutely. It is in the book, that book that we hold, even in our phones, even on our iPads, even wherever it is on your computers, wherever you are reading the word of God right now, even on the screen that is flashed before you, friends, in those words, was the same power that Christ used to exercise the healing of a lame man who had not walked for over 30 years. A woman that had been bleeding for 12 years. We find the same power in the Word of God. The power of Christ that was available to Him is available to us right here in the Word of God. And He wants us to have that same power today and even much more so. Look at this. In John chapter 14, verse 12, the Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. Friends, the power that Christ had, he has made it available to us today and even more because he's going to his Father and he's going to take from his Father even more and pour it out upon us. And where is that power found? It's found in the Word of God, friends. It's found there, right in the Scriptures. And how are we to receive it? Ministry of Healing 122, paragraph 2. The Scriptures are to be received as God's Word to us, not merely written, but spoken. Meaning, just as if Jesus is standing right here, right now, speaking those words to us. In the next paragraph, paragraph 3. So with all the promises of God's Word, in them He is speaking to us individually, speaking as directly as if we could listen to His voice. Friends, God has a special, special message for every single one of us. It's customized to every person. Even though we might be reading from the same passage, reading the same scriptures, reading the same version, no one can be a mind for anybody else. Have you heard the voice of God speaking to you and directing you? Has it been customized and special? You know, we can all read the same passage and get something out of it that is totally different. 
I'm not saying that God is telling one person to go to worship on the Sabbath on a Saturday and the same person reads the same message and he's telling this person to go worship on the Sunday. No, friends, we got to be united in truth, but its application must be different because all our lives are lived differently. Our experiences are different. Our upbringing is different. The way we think is different. It must be unique. We can't be a mind for somebody else in how they should live their lives. Friends, there are unique experiences for everyone when it comes to the reading of the Bible and the message especially that it has for us individually. Look at this. 100.3 Every individual has a life distinct from all others and an experience differing essentially from theirs. My dear friends, those that are listening, have you had a different experience from everyone else in the world? You are unique as every snowflake is unique. God wants you to be unique. And when it comes to how God speaks to us in regards to our diet, our music, what we read, how we spend our free time, the friends that we make, and how we spend our money, make sure that you find out personally what Jesus wants you to do about it. You know, some people are hearing a sermon on tithe and offering. The tithe is clear, 10%, you know. But one person might be convicted, oh, I just got to start giving offering. Maybe some have never given offering before. Or, or others might think, hey, I, I got to go beyond just what I have in my wallet or in my purse. I got to start planning. Still others, they might say, okay, I need to start giving 5%. And yet another person might be convicted and say, I got to give 10%. And yet the person right there on the same pew, on the same chair, in the same row, listening to the same message might be convicted. I need to give everything that is in my bank account. Have you heard the voice of God speak to you so uniquely and so clearly, friends? Because God has an individualized message for everybody found right there in the Bible. It's just like finding a spouse. No, two people are alike. And make sure you find out who God wants you to marry. There are principles and guidelines. Don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, right? Make sure you find a person in the faith. But when it comes to the choice of a wife, you know, sometimes we, we are skewed by, by who we, we know and what we see, you know. But God has to speak to you so individually and so clearly. You know, for, for, for those that are in ministry, some people think, I need to have a wife that can preach as well and write books just like Mark Finley's wife. You know, and we, we pit ourselves against people and, and we put God into a box. Others say, oh, no, 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 no. My, my wife has to be a pianist so I can sing the appeal song at the end of every message. Oh no, even further, my wife has to be the singer. And, and we come up with all sorts of ideas based upon people that we've met or ideas or, or things that we've read from other books. But have you had an experience that is so individualized that God said, I don't want your wife to be like any of the pastors or preachers out there. This is your wife and that's it. No comparing. Yes, she's got to be godly. She's got to be a virtuous woman. She's got to love me with all her heart. But she doesn't have to sing. She doesn't have to preach. 
She doesn't have to play the piano, but she's special and needed in your work of ministry. Do you see that, friends? Have you heard the voice of God speaking so distinctly and clearly to you through His Word? Oh, friends, God, His desires for us are unique, and we can't look to others how we should live our lives. We should all remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You should all come early for Sabbath school. Amen. You know, I can't hear you speaking amen back to me, but we should be there for Sabbath school and we should be there for divine service. But what's different? Did you eat fruit in the morning or vegetables? Are you coming to church in a suit or, or a batik or a barong? You know, you can't be one man's mind for another. There are principles by which we live by, yes. But everybody's different. Have you heard the voice of God speaking to you individually and uniquely from the Word of God itself? Have you had that communion time with Him? Are you pausing throughout the morning and the afternoon and the evening? Often are you found reading the Word of God. Often are you found meditating upon Him. Often is that your great joy to separate yourself from work and pleasure just to find pleasure in communion. Have you had communion this morning, friends? Have you heard God's voice speaking to you and directing you and showing you? Not just through other people's voices, not just through circumstances that happen in your life, but directly from the Word of God itself. Ministry of Healing 122 paragraph 3. So with all the promises of God's word, in them he is speaking to us individually, speaking as directly as if we could listen to his voice. Friends, we need to approach the Bible not just as something that we listen to or, or read, just a letter that we read. We must tell the Lord, Father, speak to me through your word. I want to hear you speaking to me through these pages. Ask him to do it. Tell him you believe it. And open your eyes and read his direction. Listen for his voice. Talk to him. Discuss with him. Reason with him. Listen while he talks. And when it's your, his turn to listen, talk to him. This is communion, friends. This is friendship. This is the sort of communion that was the secret of a life filled with power. This is the key on how we should live, friends. And I've given you that key, but now you must open the door. If it sits in your pocket, you can hear the jangling and you know it's there, but it doesn't open the door for you unless you get up and you take that key out of your pocket and you open that door, you open the book, and you allow God to speak so clearly and distinctly to you. He wants to fill your life with meaning, with purpose, with power. He wants to set every child of God on a hill as a city that gives light to all that are around it. He wants to glorify each and every one of you so that you might give glory back to Him, but that you might have a life full of power. Friends, will you take that key? Will you take your Bible and be alone with God and, and let Jesus speak to you through His Word? 
I want to end with this quote that we started with. The Savior's life on earth was a life of communion with nature and with God. In this communion, He lived, He revealed for us the secret of a life of power. Whether it was through healing, whether it was through preaching, whether it was through, through feeding people, whether it's through walking on water, all that was an overflow of the time of communion that he had with his Father. Let us learn this real communion today. Let us learn what it means to really sit at the feet of Jesus. Let us learn to fall in love with reading and spending time with our Savior. Because when we begin to see our lives change, when we see that God is ever-present and real in our lives, when we see the power that is available to us to be a blessing to everyone else, when He answers your most perplexing problems and questions and struggles that you go through, that's where the joy comes. And we can't wait to run back to Him and tell Him of our, uh, all our successes, tell Him of all our victories, Tell him of all our joys. Friends, we got to learn to understand how to live this life filled with power from on high. We got to understand true communion. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, all you ever wanted is to be our friend, our lover, to be the apple of our eye, to be the first and the last and the best. Oh Lord, I pray that you teach us what it means to have real and true communion with heaven. Lord, I want to hear your voice. I want to see Jesus. Help us to see him through your word. Help us to hear your voice through those words in the scriptures and that you would speak so tenderly and personally and so lovingly to each and every one of us that our hearts would be melted and that we would understand the joy that Jesus had, that he always looked forward to that time of communion with you. Father, please give us this experience, especially in the lockdown, whilst we are at home. Help us to Put aside things so that we can find the joy that comes in our relationship with you. So Father, please, may you give each and every one of us that experience today. May you give us the desire for that, a thirsting for the living water. Thank you, O Lord. And may you continue to keep each and every one of us safe in thine arms. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.